Craggy Rugby podcast back again just a few days after our last episode. Well, we kind of warned you we would be. We're online again as well, all in our different locations. You'll forgive that for this time of year. It's emergency podcast time and there's so much to talk about on the line. William Davis, welcome along. Good evening, Rob. Good to have you back. Alan Deegan, welcome along. Hi, Rob. It's almost like we never left these same little spots. Although, I don't know, maybe you're sitting in different rooms. I'm in the same spot anyways. So much to talk about. Alan, fill us in. Yeah, so we, we, we now have a, a Pro 14 finalised and um, the frustration of not having any news for so long was, was well balanced with a, a lot of really good information that was sent out today and very well presented mm. in my view. Um, and, and, you know, Twitter did explode. <laughs> I, got, I missed at least three hours worth of work today, you know, trying to keep an eye on everything that was going on. But yeah, it looks like exciting times ahead. Yeah, one of the benefits of being self-employed there, Alan, is you can uh, push some work back a bit later in the evening. I know I did that. I know William Davis did that. William, so much to look at today. And Alan has a point, though. You know, Pro 12, uh, in terms of how media, how they manage today, I don't think you could fault them. There was a lot of really, really good stuff. A lot of depth to the press releases, more follow-ups as well, Real, re- really good information, and a great video, too, just to, to explain things and cut out some confusion. Yeah, they did a good job, and uh, Martin and I did a very good interview, uh, which was let out a, a couple of hours ago, just a short piece, explaining, I think, trying to put something into context about what they were trying to do, and they did release it well. They, they were under pressure, and they were obviously, time was of the essence, um, but I think they've just about got it out in, in, in the nick of time. Um, and I would expect the fixtures probably early next week. They won't want to get across the start of the Women's Rugby World Cup, uh, which I think is tomorrow week, the 9th of August. So it'll be early next week. That the I think they've said the first 13 um, game days are sorted or are now under final discussion with the TV companies. So, yep, this is this is very much live and it's happening. Okay, so we don't really know anything more about fixtures. That's fine, but we can take a breath because I think, Alan, you know, if you gave us uh, just to just to know the weekend now, you had to wait two or three weeks for the television uh, times and stuff, or if you said you had to wait just one more week to get everything, we'd settle for the latter there because it's great to just get it all in one go and not have to speculate on when you're playing teams or anything like that. That looks like what we're going to get next week. I mean, I, I don't want to sound too cheerful about that because it's it's long overdue next week. We're very close to the start of the season. We'll only be about four weeks out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there, there's real excitement. Certainly seemed to be on, on Twitter and on message boards today about people looking at heading down to South Africa and using it as a, you know, you know their, their, their big holiday of the year is to now head down to South Africa for a match and take in the glories of what is supposedly a fantastic country certainly it's got an amazing amazing views when you look at on online and see what's out there it looks as though it's um there's some amazing parts of that country that are well worth visiting and um port elizabeth seems to be one of those places i think bloemfontein is an interesting place because being 1400 meters above sea level it's going to be a fascinating thing for as <laughs> as john was interviewed today and he he talks about you know leaving the pissing rain of galway and, and heading in down to bloemfontein where the average the average high temperature in the middle of December is 30 degrees. I'm going to have to get my nose sorted out before then because I tell you, I'll be struggling to breathe at that high altitude. <laughs> some, some listeners to another podcast were pointing out they noticed this. So yeah, I have to get my allergies sorted before I get down there because it's going to be fun. It's going to be summer. William, 
I mean, there's a number of topics we could get into here, but just while we're talking about the edges at the top of the podcast, uh, summer rugby in South Africa, have you any concerns about that? Because we didn't get to talk about that last week. You know, you're playing a pretty hard ground. Is that the only real concern with summer rugby beyond also the having to take on a lot of fluids and the high temperatures? Um, well, hard, as you say, hard grounds, altitude in Bloemfontein, um, and heat. Um, yeah. And I think that's why teams, specifically teams that are going down there for two games, are going to be doing a mini tour mm. um, with a minimum of five days, what they call non-travel five days. So that's what we basically talked about in the last podcast, that you probably play on a Friday night here and you play on the following Saturday in South Africa. All the mm. games in South Africa will be on a Saturday. So that'll be a challenge. I, I suspect that there'll be no games in South Africa in December and January. Mm. It's it's holiday season down there. It's too hot in Bloemfontein. And it's also extremely expensive to get down there at that time. You know, people can look at airfares now, but have a look at an airfare in the middle of December or around about December the 20th or whatever, and your eyes will water. But the other thing is that's when I think the... You're going to be going into the Derby games, which they've made a big statement about that these games are vital for the championship. And from what I've heard, from what I've heard, the Derby games over Christmas, the Christmas period, will be kept. Oh, there was no way they were going to go there. as much as anything else, because the TV people want them. They get a big audience. It's it's the time of year, and they also sell out the grounds. It's the time of year that people have spare time to do things. So I I suspect you, you're going to be seeing South Africa the other side of that. The other query, of course, is we haven't seen the European fixtures yet. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I, I'm is not that related. Sure. You think? I I think it's possibly related, but I think you can probably guess it'll be two weekends in October, two in November, two in December. So traveling around those, you, you know, if you if you were doing your double header in Europe and you were home away and then going off to South Africa, so I I that that would be my guess, but it, it, that'll all be told. Uh, yeah, imagine imagine flying from from Krasnoyarsk in the middle of, the, of November, but down to <laughs> straight down to South Africa. That'd be lovely. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be a good test. That'd be a good test. <laughs> hey, in fairness, uh, I was looking at uh, I think it was Balls that I just a funny column about how far traveling to uh, Bloemfontein is from Galway, and I think uh, somewhere in Alaska is uh, is the same distance. So uh, while it might be the same time zone, there's uh, some travel involved, and uh, it could well be that Port Elizabeth's further away to Krasnyarsk. I, I don't know, William, you, you search that out for me in the meantime. But come here, what do we need to cover, William, in terms of structure? We don't want to get too late down in the details because they're there for everyone on the Craggy Rugby website and Craggy Rugby tw- uh, Twitter accounts. So you get all you need to do if you haven't followed all the Pro 12. And let's be honest, of our listeners, most of them are going to be really up to speed on the basics. What stuff around the edges have you seen in terms of this two-conference structure, in terms of qualification that you think stands out at you, needs to be focused on, uh, needs to be pay- someone needs to pay attention to? Well, I think the first thing is the South African teams can't qualify for Europe. Um, yes. Seen yes. Yet. Now, I, I actually think that, personally, I think that's a long way off. I don't think... Yeah, me too. I think particularly the French would just balk at the idea of having to go to South Africa to play 
they struggle sometimes to go 100 kilometres up the road to play. So I think that was put in, but I can't see that happening in in the next TV deal. And the next TV deal for Europe runs from uh, September of 18 to May of 2022. So I, I think that's a long way off. So I think these sides are going to be playing in the Pro 14, looking to get into the top three so that they get into the playoff situations and looking then to go forward. And, and they've been told that if they are the home team for a semi-final or a quarter-final, those games will be played in South Africa. So they're going to be treated as, as anybody else. The thing that a little bit surprised me, I thought the there's still seven European places coming out of this um, Pro 14, minus the, the two South Africans, so it's seven out of 12. But they're doing that as a, as a simple points total. The best fourth-placed team or the best qualifying team will be a straight into the European Champions Cup. There is no playoff there. I, I thought they would do a playoff for that. I did so that, that's come as a little bit of a surprise, mm. primarily because I always think TV looks for these, but you never know. Maybe television was offered that and said, no, we don't fancy that. I, I don't know. So it means you could have a slightly anomalous situation that you could have a, a, a side. Um, and this is, this is where it does get complicated. You could have a side finishing in, 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 in fifth. Sorry, that's wrong. God, now I'm confused. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was about to jump in there and say, Alex, can you just fade this out and fade it back when William comes uh, comes around to the end of it? But we don't even have to do that. You got confused on the first, what third word? Don't go there, William. Just don't go there. Keep in mind, folks. Though, as the South African teams and William, you can take it, take this off of here. As the South African teams mix themselves into the playoffs, like anyone who gets to the playoffs is going to the Champions Cup, no matter how many points they have compared to other conferences. And rightly so. If you're in the playoffs, you're in the Champions Cup. That's it. If you're if you're a side that can qualify for it, but if the two South African teams get in there, then you're really tiptoeing down. You're trying to find three teams from the non-qualifiers. Yeah. That's where it gets a bit complex. But from the sound of things, it's basically the next three teams with the highest points. So you can nearly merge the two tables at that point of non-qualifiers and just pick out the top three. Yeah, the, 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 one, the one slight issue is if, if a South African team in a conference has finished third and they can't qualify, yes, the team that finished fourth in that do they go? They could qualify. They, they effectively the become team, third. They effectively become. They third effectively from. become third. But the, but the slight problem is there could be a better placed fourth team. Oh, in, in the other no, no, it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. Hurts. No, no, it's not. So all you have to worry about from from a European point of view, do you just take out the South African teams and then look at the table? The highest point. Yeah, yeah. I agree, Alan. That's how I read it too. It's just who take basically a table of non-playoff qualifying teams that aren't from South Africa of, and they just take the highest points ranked of, the, of them and how many places are available so be it like, no 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 you can't do that because you could easily have someone in in uh, fourth place on uh, conference B having more points than the third place team on conference A and third no, place no. team on can conference I, A yes. you, you didn't hear me there so can I clarify that be okay. quite clear because I was really clear on that you take a table of the teams that don't qualify for the playoffs put them into a joint table for the two conferences, oh, combine yeah, the two, yeah, yeah. and just and look at their points total. That'll be one way of doing it. That's and it. I think the Pro 12, William or Alan, you take this. I, there's no reason why the Pro 12, but I would request them, shouldn't have a table up that shows teams that aren't currently in the playoff positions, 
who's ranked highest in terms of potential Champions Cup qualification. I think they'd be able to do that going into the final. Team. I assume they. I assume they will do that. Yeah, because they seem to be into that kind of stuff anyway. And that's what I'm excited about, Alan. Is just there's an enthusiasm from within the Pro 12 Communications Department for the kind of nerdy stuff that we've just spent what feels like six years, but probably was only about four minutes chatting about. Yeah, and, yeah, and, I, and think, that's... I think I think there is, and I I think one of the things that's going to happen. Uh, and I appreciate this is a bit down the road, but I suspect that the new television deal, when it comes around, will be a single television provider, which means satellite television for all the live games from September 2018 forward. What will mm. happen then is terrestrial television will get highlights packages and I suspect there will also be an online presence that might be ahead of anything that we see from the Aviva Premiership or I, I don't know what top 14's online presence is because I've never looked for it. But I think there's a, there's a willingness, if, if, because they've made this decision, which is quite a striking decision, it wouldn't surprise me if their media package also moves forward um, in, into new ways of tapping markets. Mm. Uh, with instantaneous highlights, tries being scored, uh, and packages, so that there would be a situation maybe where you'd have a 50-minute highlight program, but then you can push the red button and you can get further further into games. You could, If you're a Connacht fan and you want to see more highlights of a Connacht game, that'll be made available to you. Mm. I, think that's, I think that's where they're going to go, and it's that's going to be very new for rugby because rugby coverage has been fairly staid over the years. It's, you know, it's, it's live or you get a, the highlights or whatever. But I think I get the feeling that they're going to grasp this maybe in a, in a very proactive way to see where they can take it. Yeah, because the other thing that that's part of that is, and you know, you're following on from what happens in America, which is where Martin and I had come from. And and the other thing that's massive over there, and and it's massive in the soccer world, is fantasy, and that becomes all about stats and information and guys doing that, and that's going to come into this this part of it as well as, as well. That you know, there's a huge business in that side of the of the game that we don't even know about or are aware about, but the younger guys and younger younger folk like that sort of thing these days. So, you know, that, I think that's part of it as well. That there's you know, it's a huge growth area, huge. I was really interested, just to finish on this, because we've got to move it on then, um, it, William, to, to see the layout of the press release too, you know, including voices from the two new teams, uh, including the CEO of South African Rugby, uh, including obviously Martin and I as well, who's a very articulate uh, CEO in fairness to him, and he's well able to kind of, uh, you know, express himself in detail and really give people a bit of insight. But I'm really interested to see Phil Bowman quoted and talking about global rugby benefits because that phrase jumped out at me and Alan you jump in on this as well but I'll start with you William just that that sense that you guys were trying to get across to me from the outset when I said this was bonkers now part of my reason why I was saying it was bonkers is because it was such short notice not necessarily with the idea of expansion but the, the idea that Martin and I, and I identified one difference between our league and our rivals in England and France who have all the money were a cross-border competition already so with that in mind can we go global? And it looks like World Rugby, to some degree, are excited about the global potential of this this competition as well. 
Well, I think I think the advantage is that, uh, they've done this first. That the Aviva Premiership has dipped its toe in the water and played some games in America. I think yes. they might be playing two this season as well. Yes. And that's just on the edges. I I suspect there is more to come from yes. Pro 14. They've they've sort of indicated that now. Uh, I mean every every city in America with any sports team seems to have been mentioned. Uh, Murnau back at Washington seems to be the the new one. It was Houston a few weeks ago. Um, New York. I don't know Phoenix. why they don't try and go for something a bit different and, and go for you know some of these big cities that don't have big sports teams and try and make them rugby venues. But that that might be something that's down the long down the finger long or down the line as well. I suppose the first thing is go to the biggest market and get expats to the games like like the Toronto Wolfpack. Is that what they're called? They're doing a rugby league and they're in the early yeah, stages of what they're yeah, at. Yeah, that, so it's it's it, everything is is on the move. Obviously, if 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 you bring in an American side at some stage in the future, you are moving back outside the time zone again. That's yes, that's different to South Africa. There's also a lot more potentially to happen in South Africa. I think uh, it's pretty obvious they are not happy with the way uh, Super Rugby's gone. We've discussed that, but that 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 seems to be around and doesn't. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. But World Rugby have had had their say. Um, so yeah, it's. I think it's very exciting. I actually think this is is quite revolutionary stuff for a league that has always had a slight. And I've called it a league now. It's a chat. Well, they they were changed into a championship, but uh, can we say a tournament that has always had a slight <laughs> undervalued feel to it? That it was a bit of a means to an end, yes. and it was cobbled together. And the, and there's a little bit of second guessing going on now from some people who who didn't say that a couple of years ago and are now sort of saying, well, it wasn't very good anyway. Yeah, does it, uh, I agree with you there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because it, it felt I, good I, over the last few years. but yeah, I, 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 th- I think it has been. And I think it, it's had some issues. You know, Not all games have TMOs. Um, some of the way fixtures were moved around. We weren't going to have any Sunday fixtures. And then they came back. And it was all a time slightly held together with uh, probably tape and elastic bands but I get the feeling now it's, it's that has gone and the, the media stuff that happened today and, and that's only one one part of the the product but that was quite slick and what what they need to do now is keep that momentum overused word in sport but I think it's it's important when you're doing product placement and stuff so that they're ready so that the start of the season really happens with a bang and they they get out there and and, and sell this, and the opportunity is there because they have something different to offer. It is yeah, just, you know, it, it's conferences that's complicated qualification. We've just discussed that there are issues there, but you can overcome that because the the, the main deal is you want to get people into the grounds, and you want to say right this is this is a different. Uh, we're showing you something different, and let's go for it. Alan, I just want to ask you before we totally move on from this. One of the things I like about it, like, is the fact that you know you could have these two teams in there, and this is their only competition. The enthusiasm coming from their supporters that have followed online from 
definitely from within the organizations, both in, in Port Elizabeth with the Kings and, and very much so with the Cheetahs, is immense. Like, there's not a word about how they're going to miss Super Rugby. They're not even throwing lines out there like, look, it's unfortunate what happened to us, but this is an exciting opportunity. They, they literally sound like they're winning the breakup. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, it, it's um, it's a case that they're, they're looking at a, you know, only traveling... Uh, to, across two time zones instead of eight and nine time zones at a time um have been able to have matches on at times that suits them at all times you know live coverage of matches they're going to be playing rugby in a rugby mad country when there's no other rugby on <laughs> so they're going to get oh, yeah. you know they're going to get a you know stuff from from that and you're you're talking about a a, a pro 12 league that had 20 of the lions players playing in the league so like you know people can slag off the league but they provided 20 Lions players to went down to New Zealand and they didn't lose. So, and um, the next Lions tour is to South Africa, which is another little bit of spice in, in, yeah, in four years' exactly, time. Yeah. And, and not to mention the fact that that might be where the 2023 World Cup is. But we all hope it isn't! <laughs> of course, there's one, wag, there's one wag said on Twitter, you know, putting put drone zebras in with cheers is, 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 is just asking for trouble. Hey! <laughs> And there's your headline writers. And we, we don't get enough copywriters ahead, copy headline writers either. Anyway, yeah, I think just just to finish off on that, William, just that point as well, that it'll help the competition that two teams are literally only focused on winning the Pro 12 because oftentimes in the past, it has felt like right at the end of the season, all of a sudden Leinster want to win the Pro 12 to save their season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or as opposed to maybe the last three winners. And perhaps no surprise that the last three winners, Glasgow, Scarlet, and in between them, something called Colic, we're all almost targeting this as their number one target. And now you've got a couple of other teams coming in doing that, which is only good. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's That has been an issue in the past. Um, and I, I'm i interested, I'll be following very closely just to see what the reaction to all this is uh, in Wales, because there's, there's always a slight feeling in Wales that they, they're looking over the border uh, to England, and they see the Aviva Premiership. If you're in Cardiff and you know you get in your car, you don't have to get on a, a plane or a train or a, even a, a ferry, and you go and you see a place like Bristol or Bath or Gloucester, which are very nearby that have access to a lot of private funding, private money. And there's all, I've always had a slight concern that in Wales, the Pro 12, the certain elements have always been looking to see, could they, is there some way they could actually join up with England? So I think this might take some of that away and it might actually concentrate the minds a little bit more there. Alan, we'll have loads of time to analyse in more detail, but we've got to analyse it a little bit to start with. Colics, pool, and some of the elements of things that I'm concerned. I know they assured us that the teams that have 11 home games this season will only have 10 the next season, and that's fair, but they're two separate seasons, and there is no arguing with the fact that they're going to, the playoffs are decided in a slightly unfair manner, because you're being judged, and when you finish in the top three in each pool, uh, against all the other teams, some of whom will have had an easier schedule. Well, you could look at the, the pools and, and say that they're unfair the way they've been set, but, you know... I wouldn't the, say that the, as much, because that's not as easy to say, but the other one is just technically true. 
Yeah, to a point, I suppose it is. It just, you know, that, I think that's just the, the roll of the dice. You know, if you look at it this year, the only Irish team that that get 10 home games are Leinster. The other three get 11 home games. So, you know, we, we've done all right, but that means next season we'll only have 10 home games. But it, it, what will be interesting is because the, the conferences will be set up differently next year, you know, what, what does that mean? You know, do, does that mean if we get an away, away game against Dragons this year and they end up in the same conference as us next year that, you know, we, yeah. we don't get an equivalent home I, game? I could work that out because they were assuring us that everyone gets 11 and 10, yeah. But you could, I think the only way they'll be able to do that and change the conferences is exactly like you say, you could quite conceivably end up being away to the same team three years in a row just once. Uh, Except that I don't, yeah. think, I don't think the league will look like this in three years' time. I think no, the American I, team will be in there. In. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there'll be at least one more team in there. And in 2020, so you, Sanzar stuff finishes in 2020. And I think the other teams will be looking to come up. But I can't imagine they'll come up without some element of, of European rugby rather than just Celtic rugby. So the likes of the Bulls and the Stormers, they, they're, they're not going to come up unless the English and French are involved in, in some way, shape or form. So there's still interesting times ahead. But yeah, I don't oh, see I, I don't see this being more than two seasons of Pro 14. I think there'll, there'll be at least 15 teams in the next three years with the Americans. And, and the other the other thing I'd say, Alan, too, because I taught that earlier that it's unfair, and it is unfair in terms of how you decide the playoffs, but the, the flip side of it is it's not a league anyways because the actual title is decided with a couple of knockout games, uh, possibly up to three knockout games. So yeah, it's a ultimately, yeah. it's, it's a mix of two things. It's a championship, as they call it. So, yeah, I mean, you get you make the best of it and you get on with it. Comics pool, Alan, what do you think of it? It's a pretty, it's a pretty tough one. You know, you're looking at um, Glasgow, who we always struggle to beat, um, apart from the championship season. Um we struggled to beat Glasgow home and away. Like I think we've only beaten them twice in the last, oh, since 2013, probably longer than that. We've only beaten them twice, and that was in the year we won the championship. Um, so that's that's going to be pretty rough. Um, Munster again, they're, they're, we've done relatively well against Munster in the last couple of seasons, but you know, they wouldn't be our favourite team to, to play against. The Ospreys are a nightmare team for us. Um, again, another team where we've only won twice since 2013. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be pro, it's gonna be pretty tough for Mister Keane when he comes in and looks at the fixture list that we're gonna get. No question about it. William, thoughts in terms of like the the balance of the pools as well, and you know that factor that we knew was coming from the second this was announced. That when they say oh your your extra games are going to be derby games, Connacht are back in the old problem with the fact that played <laughs> when your derby games are Leinster, Munster, Ulster, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, I, th- I think the Irish Derby games probably are... They, they have a much longer history. Uh, I mean, because they've been going on for, I don't know, since the, probably the 20s and the 30s. Um, and they, they really mean something here. They didn't have to be... They don't have to be forced or really pushed. I mean, everybody knows the rivalries that are there. So that that, that will be an issue. Um yeah, but like it just just to just to push back on that, it was so slightly. Everyone's gone on about oh, Glasgow get three games against Edinburgh. Oh. Last season, Edinburgh won twice, and they drew. They 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 won one and lost one each in the previous couple of seasons. So you know that's and Glasgow and Edinburgh. You're not telling me there isn't going to be an ancient rivalry there. Um, there is, but they only have to play two games. They're now going up to three. We have to play six. Um, so I, I, st- I, st- <laughs> st- I still think it's a lot harder here and in Wales again these are slightly made up teams the 
the Dragons record in in the Welsh version of Interprovincials is is pretty appalling. Cardiff's isn't much better. It's well, no, Cardiff, but, Cardiff aren't too bad because the Dragons they win they beat the Dragons all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, uh, I think look, they had to they had to come up with a system. Twenty one games is probably not an ideal number. You would really prefer an a, a, an even number. That's so that everybody plays the same number of home and away. And I'm sure the statisticians will show at the end of the season that somebody has done better because they got one more home game. Um, it'll concentrate Connacht's mind. Our home record last season was pretty shaky, and it has been in the past in other seasons. It's going to be crucial in these pools. You will have to win your home games. There's, and you've... You've, winning cross-conference games is fine, but you've also got to make sure that you win games within your conference. Um, oh, it's like, it's like American sports, because they're the games that become extra important. Like, if you're not winning your conference games, you might find yourself slipping down the table despite... Yeah, it's, yes. it gets complica- complicated. Interesting. Very interesting. Is, that, that, that's, a, that, that's a totally different thing. Even, you know, going team going to South Africa, if they go for a double header, they're going to be away from home for a lot longer than they would be normally used to. It's going to be a different setup for your training and your how you organise yourselves, how you play a game at altitude. So there's a, there's a very steep learning curve here for everybody. There's a learning curve for the uh, supporters. There's a learning curve for the teams, the management, the media, the television. Every, everything is, has suddenly changed and it has happened at the end very quickly but you do feel this has been in process for quite a long period of time I should hope so any other little things to look at this is a wider topic Will and I'm keeping it, I kept it to the end on purpose before we get to the any other business but as this goes more global do do we need to have and, and let's try and keep it as tight as we can because it's a huge topic but do we need to have a discussion at some point in the next month about Connick's future within this context and I say it and I say it carefully, because we are the team that are battling away in a tiny market compared to what cities that are going to be start coming into this. Like, we've got two from South Africa, and there could be no. a couple more from America. Do we have to worry about it? Well, let's go to Alan first. Why not? No, and I'll tell you why, because the IRFU know that in order to be successful at the international level, they need four pro teams. And that's, but you that's understand as simple why as that. I'm Absolutely, and IRFU will make sure that, that you know, we're, seen, we're treated as equals, as we have been for the last two or three years. No matter what anyone I, I, thinks. Yeah, I, I completely agree that we've been treated as equal. And it's dead in the water, William, the idea of Connick being disbanded. But is there a chance over time, as you get these big franchises all around the world and it gets so global, that someone scratches their head and says, that team there are playing at the dog track in a tiny, tiny, tiny city compared to what we're dealing with. Does Basically, the wider question does, is Alan Point Rue, does the RFU stay strong above any sort of franchise element like you happen in, you know what happens in the US, with you know, you know what happens to San Diego Chargers or uh, the Hartford Whalers or whoever else? Uh, they, they do at the moment, but uh, in 10 years' time, the whole situation will be completely different. In five yeah. years' time, it will be completely different. I You can never say things are going to stay the same. Um because they don't, and how you set up your uh, a professional organisation, the main aim of which, at the end of the day, is to play international rugby, 
uh, and to produce players who are of sufficient quality to do that. That's the top of the pyramid. Uh, I, and, I that, and that's that, and that's important, and that's the difference between American sports. With effectively, these teams are feeder teams for the top team in the franchise, and the top team in the franchise is Ireland. They're in the show. The show is the international game. But we're going to have this contrast, well, Alan, of of complete and utter US style franchises from the US to start with. Uh, if that comes about, let's imagine a future where there's a couple of them. And, and the two South African teams might feel like franchises as well, you know, independent of the South African Union. In but some they're ways. not independent. Uh, the Kings are owned by the South African Union. Well, one of them is, obviously. Uh, uh, but, like, they could feel like that, you know. So, I just don't, I don't know. Uh, sorry, like, William, you were going to jump in there. Yeah, well, this, this, look, I see a situation eventually. Um, this is my view. Where the IRFU will eventually have to accept that some private money could come in and say, right, we want to buy Connacht, we want to buy Munster, and we're going to, we want to call them some product Munster or some product Connacht, and we're prepared to put in this amount of money to that operation. But for that, we want to bring in half a dozen international players from around the world. That's our brand. Are you are you prepared to... To go with that, are you prepared to think on a global scale? Oh, we have to find that. But they already not in our interest. Yeah, but they already think on a global scale because the World Cup is global and the Lions is global, and you don't need. Well, I think I think the World Cup will will change a lot of perspectives about how yeah. money comes to rugby if if it comes to Ireland. If it doesn't come to Ireland, it'll be a lesson that we're we're some way behind where we need to be. I don't know. No, I, uh, I, I think if it doesn't come to Ireland, it'll simply be because we can't we can't put, uh, produce as much money as the other countries because we just don't have the population in order to do that because we're a tiny, tiny country. Well, the only the only way around that long term then is to, is to bring in private money and start changing how you do this and becoming franchises and say, right, we're going to have four franchise teams in Ireland. They're going to have the old moniker behind them, but. Somebody. Yeah, but I, but the the problem is that the the club game there isn't you know when you, when you take away the the sort of you know the one off games that they play in in um, in England when they go to the big stadium and they do it in France sometimes they go to the big stadiums where they sell the tickets for a fiver you know the average the average gate in England is something like fourteen thousand for a club game you know whereas the internationals are seventy and eighty thousand that's where the real but money also is. Bro- but they have brought in substantial private money. But to they're, English they're all losing money. Every one of them, apart from the likes of Exeter and possibly Harlequins, everyone else is losing money. Saracens are forty million in debt. I I, I I absolutely accept that. But if you have somebody who is prepared to put that sort of money in, who has bottomless pockets, nobody's forty bottom, million. Yeah, but nobody's got bottomless pockets, and they'll be looking for some sort of return. They don't. Nobody with that mo- amount of money does things for the sake of it. There's something they want at the end of it. And rugby is not the type of game, it's never going to be like soccer because it hasn't got the ability to to be as global as soccer from the point of view. It's far more complicated. It's too complicated right, can the I, game. Can, can, I give them, can, can I give you my bottom line on this, which is, and you can chime in if you want to or if you feel like that, that kills it so be it. I can see William, William is kind of more to me that this, 
he carries a little bit of concern about where Connacht will fit in five, ten years down the line. I can see from your perspective, Alan, you say you have less concern because you feel very, uh, very uh, confident in the way the IRF have backed Connacht over the last few years, and we all agree with you on that. And you think there's no reason why that won't stop. So that's where you guys are. But my bottom line, and why I bring that up, is I think the importance of how Connacht expand and advance the model that they have to build the infrastructure that makes this more sustainable in the future is ratcheted up a little bit more with this global expansion of the league. I think the urgency on a better a better set of facilities and the urgency on that more long-term structural business stuff that they are planning to do, the grassroots and green shirts, becomes more important. Uh, that's my bottom line on it. Oh yeah, well, yeah. There's no question we need a, a better stadium is required. When you look at where the Kings are playing, and you look where the Chasers are playing, <laughs> and then you look where we're playing, you know, th- there's no question that has to something has to budge there. The last thing you'd want to happen though is that they move away from the sports ground. Yeah, location is fantastic, and that's for a wider chat. William, if you're okay with this, I'm going to switch it to the end and get you to lead us off. With do you have anything else on your mind you want to throw in there? No, oh, not really. Uh, very. Sorry to read today that Neve Briggs is going to miss mm. the World Cup. Huge. Um, that that is just horrendous for a player who's it, it's horrendous for any player, but somebody who's been heart and soul uh, of the Irish women's team, um, great presence on the field, leader, and somebody who comes across very well, and 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 to to strive so hard to come back from an injury and then to get another injury uh, with your World Cup in your home country, that must be absolutely horrendous to deal with. I, I don't know. I, I was trying to think, I came into my head and I was thinking, what would you say to somebody if you met them? And I was almost thinking, you know, I just, I think I just keep walking because I don't think I could actually say anything yeah. that would mean yeah. anything. It's very, very tough, uh, but it's coming around uh, very soon. Starts Wednesday week, plenty of television coverage. Uh, available on RTE and Air Sport, and uh, I think people are, are going to enjoy it. And I hope, I hope it shows shows off well. Lots of tickets have been sold, so that's I'm looking forward to it. Here, here to that, and it, it is heartbreaking. And I, you just have to imagine, folks, think back to any of your biggest moments in your life where where they were big days and you had big things to do, presentations or whatever in your work, and just imagine not being able to do it, be prevented to do it from just a bit of bad luck. I mean, it's it's really, really tough for Nate Briggs, but I think everyone's behind her in terms of the support and whatever way we can. Alan, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal from... Yeah, your thoughts on that first. Sorry, go Yeah, on. yeah, just, you know, it's shocking to see someone who's given so much to Irish rugby and is, is such a face of, of Irish women's rugby. And, and, you know, I've seen her play a couple of times down in Gull regions where... I've been, you know, coming out of matches and whatever, and, and stopped to watch her play because she's, she's, you know, it's it's worth going to watch someone as talented as Neve Briggs play. She really, you know, lights up a, a rugby pitch when she plays on it, and it's um, it's a real shame for Ireland. It'd be almost, it's almost the equivalent of Brian O'Driscoll not being able to play a game. That's that's how where I'd put her at at that level. She's a huge influence on Irish women's rugby, and um, it's pretty brutal. I, I've just just um checked my emails. Um, Connacht only have ten home games next season. Not 12, not 11, sorry, in the Pro 14. So they sent out an incorrect email. And if if you want, you can get, uh, due to reduction on the one home fixture, we will provide a full refund on any season ticket already purchased if requested. So if people want to get their money back, they can get it. But um, they did originally say they had 11 home games, but now they only have 10. So they're not giving an option to reduce the season ticket by a certain percentage 
in terms of the game lost. They're actually saying you can have the whole season the whole ticket back. money back. Yeah, that's an interesting one because it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, that might people might have an issue with that. Yeah, I think Leinster had something similar. I don't know. I think Leinster's was yeah. slightly more detailed, but um, it was something similar. Well, well, let's let's wait and see how people react to that because there's a lot of enthusiasm around this, and let's not raise possible negative uh, sides. Of the, no, no, no. It's just something that we, we... Offer, no, I, you're not doing that. I was no. doing that there for a second uh, in terms of asking questions. There are questions to be asked about that, but we'll see. We'll see how the public responds to it because they are. There are being straight up and offering a, a refund, uh, no questions asked, uh, straight away based on the fact that the, the, there's one less uh, game. Do you know what that means, William? I think that it, obviously it increases the chances that our first trip to South Africa will be a two trip rather than a, a one game trip, as it's every second year it will be two or one. But if we have 10, uh, 10 home games and an extra away game, it could well be that we'll be in South Africa twice. For When I say twice, we'll be in South Africa for two games. Yeah, yeah, it sort of sort of has that feel to it, all right. Um, yeah, ten days in Bloemfontein. There's a thought. No, no, <laughs> no, no. What you do is you fly in. You fly in a couple of days early, and if we're Bloemfontein first, you fly in. You do Bloemfontein, then you fly down to the Cape and you spend a couple of days in Cape Town, and you drive along the Garden Route all the way to Port Elizabeth, and then come home, and you get a fabulous view of the whole country. I haven't. I haven't thought about this at all. Haven't. Haven't. That's not. That's not a. That's not. That's not a bad plan. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. We're going to have some podcast from South Africa, folks. Just picture those ones. Anyways, William, you're up for a furry for that, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah, look, I can't. I can't wait, Rob. You can actually. You can actually get a a, a boat. The uh, the mail boat goes to Ascension Island and then goes to Cape Town. Used to. I think it still runs from Southampton. I'm not sure. Uh, it only took about four weeks. That's pretty good. Four weeks in a boat. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be absolutely on for that. <laughs> well, what was Alan? What was the crossing over to Scotland? Uh, it was about forty-five minutes, and I've never seen a man so panicked in my life. Yeah, it, it was, was about was, three was, hours, and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we we may well decide to take the flights on that one, lads. Thanks very much. That's it from us. Thanks, William. Okay, good stuff. Good night. Thanks, Alan. Cheers, Rob. See you, William. Well.